I'm Lawrence Carroll, and welcome to Two Question Tuesday. I'm the author of ETFs for the Long Run, Dividend Stocks for Dummies, and a contributor to Forbes.com and Barron's. Each week on Two Question Tuesday, we randomly pick and answer two questions from clients of Focused Wealth Management. This week's questions will be answered by Phil D'Angelo, Managing Director of Focused Wealth, and Michael Passante, the firm's Director of Financial Planning. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning, Larry. Good morning, Mike. Everybody. Okay, getting started. Britain's new Prime Minister, Liz Truss, yesterday reversed her radical economic agenda to cut taxes for the rich amid rising inflation. These unfunded ideas caused the pound to fall to historic lows and damage Britain's economic standing globally. After Truss, who had only been elected last month, ditched the plan, did the pound rise to about 1.12, almost back to where it was before the whole shebang. Okay, so here's the first question. What do you think will happen there now? Well, the interesting thing is I think you're getting to this almost aha moment where, you know, different bank solvency and then simultaneously the UK pension system, which almost got this massive margin call. Uh, you're almost getting to the point where global central banks have almost gone too far. And it was a bit weird with the UK continuously raising rates at the same time announcing quantitative easing to control the long end of the bond curve. So essentially what happened over there, and this did have some significant impact in our markets ultimately at the end of the day is you saw a lot of corporate pension funds over in the UK and simultaneously insurance companies who invest, they have to by mandate invest in certain fixed income vehicles and instruments. And a lot of those can be US dollar denominated. And what happens is they try to hedge out the currency risk so that those uh, currency fluctuations don't have a material impact on the underlying price of their securities. But ultimately you saw such a significant move in currencies that it caused the value of their holdings to really deviate. And because they're buying some of these things on leverage, what happened was they were forced to sell some of the securities to meet certain margin calls. And ultimately what they were doing was they were selling the UK gilts, pushing yields all the way up. And that really created a lot of turmoil beneath the surface in the underlying UK financial system. So I don't think this is necessarily something that um, leadership over there wanted to do. They had to reverse course because of stresses in the economic environment actually caused them to pivot, essentially. So you're at that kind of moment where ultimately a lot of central banks are forced to you know, deviate from their ultimately underlying policy expectations. Just this morning, the Royal Bank of Australia hiked rates 25 basis points. And you wouldn't think that that would spur uh, a massive rally across a lot of risk assets, but it has because the expectation was for a 50 basis point rate hike. So the fact of the matter is starting to look like central banks around the world, first Bank of England, now Bank of Australia, are blinking. And they're potentially being a little bit less hawkish in terms of their underlying monetary policy. And that's like taking an elephant off the weight of risk assets around the world to the point where you're seeing this rally, uh, assuming that central banks aren't going to continue with this 50, 75, one full percentage point rate hike. And a a lot of asset classes are basically saying, okay, um, to the central bank, you've essentially done enough. And I equate this to, uh, in terms of what Powell is doing, it's like his rate hike process and all the policy mistakes he's made throughout the course of time in terms of a soft, the Fed engineering a soft landing. It's like Powell's trying to fly the Hindenburg because he's looking at such outdated economic data that it's causing him to just make massive policy errors one by one. So, you know, I think that uh, what's happening over in the UK is just a foreshadowing for what's going to happen to a lot of central banks. What, will the Fed pivot right away? 
I don't know. I, I don't necessarily think they can quite yet, but I think it's the, the first step in terms of um, this monetary liquidity tightening sort of winding down a little bit, intermediate term. Okay. On Friday, September ended. Well, good riddance. It was the worst month of Dow Jones Industrials and the S&P 500 since March 2020. <clears throat> While the UK stock index, the FTSE 100, inched into positive territory Monday on the trust news, it was nothing like the move on the Dow, the S&P, and the Russell 2000. All three indexes rocketed 2.6% higher, and the 10-year Treasury bonds yield fell from 4% last week to 3.65%. The second question is the obvious question, and that is, did we hit a bottom, and did the UK have anything to do with it? Well, first of all, I don't think the UK had anything to do with it. Um, I do think that if you look at a lot of the fear indexes out there, oversold readings, um, and I, I also think that, you know, when you look over the weekend, so yeah, I'm going to go out on the limb, and I'm going to say, I feel a bottom was put in. You eclipse the lows of May, um, you set new lows on the year. Um, going to our thesis that we are in a recession and that, you know, the recession started, let's say, in March, and you're probably going to pop out of it this quarter, but two consecutive quarters in a row is recession. The markets traded down just like they did, almost to the T of the lows uh, when Volcker hiked the prime rate in the early 80s uh, from 10 to 20 percent. So the market traded an awful like that. When you look on Friday, there was a lot of fear, a lot of capitulation. A lot of markets had lack of liquidity in them. And then I go back to over the weekend when, you know, we're interrupting friends that work at Credit Suisse uh, at Giants games to find out if they're going to be insolvent on Monday or not. It was really shades, you know, of uh, March 17th with Bear Stearns or Lehman Brothers uh, in October, you know, of 08. So th this was that time period um, that it really flashed back to. And, you know, to Michael's point, the Fed uh, has been so aggressive because they don't want an environment like we had in the mid 70s to early 80s. And they're trying to choke off inflation. So we will have hit a bottom if these inflationary numbers back off. We have routinely said that to clients. Nothing can happen with equities until the inflation numbers start to come down. It appears that they might be heading in the right way. But this bottom is not going to be like COVID March, where things just bounce back. This is going to take a little bit of time. A lot of damage has been done. You have an environment that's very, very different uh, than the, you know, the Fed stimulus fueled uh, party uh, post COVID, right? So this is a different environment. This is going to take time to repair the tape. Um, but when you look at, you know, large cap tech names uh, with price to earnings in the high teens, like you saw, uh, you know, going into Monday, um, when you see, uh, you know, uh, a bank like Credit Suisse uh, saying, actually, we have enough capital, we're going to be okay. Um, yeah, we heard that before. But when you really take a, a look under the covers, um, you know, the balance sheets uh, in the U.S. are solid dollar strong. Rates have backed off saying that, hey, maybe inflation will come down, right? That 10-year hit 4% uh, maybe last Wednesday or Thursday night. It's backed off about 50 basis points, a little bit less since then. Um, so I, I feel like that was around the bottom. That, that felt like a bottom to me, um, but it's going to take time to repair. Long-term investing, you know, you got to buy. You're, you're in a great bull market for yields. You know, bonds last week, great times to be buying them. Uh, if you can deal with the, with the fixed rates that they're kicking off, good time for that. And if you want to be, buy stocks on sale, uh, you're still not too late and, you know, you're not out of the woods yet. And uh, it's going to take some time, but we hit a bottom, in my opinion. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that's a really interesting assessment. And to like comment on that, too, 
I want to share a number of points that we were kind of like going back and forth with internally. One is last week, you and I were just standing next to each other and tenure was at like 3.9 something percent. And we looked at each other we're like, this thing just has to go to 4% before it lets up, doesn't it? And it did almost to the dot. Now, over the weekend, you know, we were doing a lot of different research. And I mean, we have lapped the negative seasonality pattern, both on an annual basis, because we're now through September, and then simultaneously in the uh, presidential election cycle. So that's an intermediate term positive. Size with a good point. Yeah. And we did undercut the June lows late last week, but the number of stocks that made new 52 week lows was it was fewer. So you're seeing a contraction in the number of individual names showing weakness that tells you the belief beneath the surface, things are beginning to hold up a little bit better. Um, we did see um, in the past few weeks, it's largely been like utilities, which have been holding up uh, up until the beginning of September. Um, that could likely be due to um, the, hot, the increase in interest rates because utilities and uh, rates have an inverse relationship, but also the large cap tech names. It was like uh, people were selling things just to clear them off their balance sheet. And we, we came to a bit of a pivotal moment because uh, quarter end is very important in terms of, especially the end of September, that's when mutual fund year end uh, stops in terms of tax loss selling. And then simultaneously, people reporting uh, what positions are on their books as of the end of the year. So it's going to be really interesting. And to the inflation point that you made before, we brought this up about three or four weeks ago. Inside of yesterday's ISM manufacturing report, the prices paid component, which is essentially what uh, the uh, manufacturers pay for commodities and other components to manufacture goods, that's crashing. Still, it's going down. And that tends to be a very very solid leading indicator of inflation. So you're likely to see inflation continue to ease. We're not quite at the point, in my opinion, where the Fed can just let up. I think that they need to continue hiking rates because if the Fed just stops, then risk assets are going to reinflate. Inflation is going to stay stubbornly high. So I think um, the Fed needs to continue. But my point before was these 50, 75 basis point rate hikes. We're at the point where I think that those can start to ease. So hopefully, yeah. you know, central banks acknowledge that. Yep. Great. Okay. Um, thanks, guys. That was great. And if you'd like to submit a question, send it to our email address, which is question at twoquestiontuesday.com, and we'll be back next week. Yeah. Uh, really quick before we leave, I just want to say uh, um, to all of our clients in Southwest Florida, I hope everybody's okay, not too severely impacted by the hurricane. And then there have been, you know, an, an unbelievable number of people that have reached out to me uh, about my parents, just like thinking about them uh, over the course of the last couple of weeks. So I want to say thank you to everybody uh, who reached out and said that, that they're fine. <laughs> okay, well, that's great to hear. And um, again, we'll see you guys next week.